Well, one of the best ways to discover a Christian's chief anxieties and ambitions is to study the content of his or her prayers and the intensity with which he prays them. We all pray about what concerns us and are evidently not concerned about matters we do not include in our prayers. Prayer expresses desire. Prayer expresses desire. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 through 21, as we'll be there in our time together this evening. And as you turn there, let me ask God once again for his help. Father, we, uh, yeah, Lord, we come before you. Uh, we come before your throne of grace with confidence, with boldness, because you have given us access, as we have even seen a couple of weeks ago in Ephesians chapter 3, uh, and, and we'll even see here in this passage, you have given us access through the Lord Jesus Christ to come to you at any time, and you will be open ears. And so, God, we come before you now, we ask God, as you are already doing in this service, glorify yourself. Be made much of. Oh, God, speak through your word to us. God, would you use your word to do all of what you see fit in our hearts this evening, God? Do it in us and through us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. So Ephesians 3 Starting at verse 14 reads, for this reason, I bow my knees before the father from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith that you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Verse 20. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Amen. So if you're taking notes this evening, here's the main idea of this glorious passage that uh, is a prayer of Paul's as you uh, see and has, have heard. So here's the main idea. Prayers motivated by God, centered on God lead to the ultimate goal, the glory of God. Once again, prayers motivated by God, centered on God, lead to the ultimate goal, which is the glory of God. I have three points to help guide us through this passage this evening. And similar to the main idea, here they are. Point number one, our motivation when we pray. Point number one, our motivation when we pray. We'll see that in verses 14 to 15. Point number two, our content when we pray. And we'll see that in verses 16 through 19. 
And then point three, our purpose when we pray. And we'll see that in verses 20 through 21. So once again, our motivation when we pray, our content when we pray, our purpose when we pray. So point number one, our motivation when we pray. Look back with me at verse 14 as it starts with what it says, for this reason. So Paul is picking back up on his train of thought uh, that he had earlier in uh, verse one of this same chapter. You see that same phrase there? What does it say in chapter three, verse one? It says, for this reason, I. Right. So what is this reason? What's the reason? Well, Paul has been dropping gospel truth on the Ephesian believers and us since chapter one of this book. He's been telling us about Jesus and his work on the cross and how his work has saved a people, how it has saved Jews and Gentiles and made them one family. And it's for this reason that Paul is driven into prayer. He's driven into prayer. He's uh, motivated to pray. It's in light of this good news that Paul is motivated to pray. So a quick question early on. What motivates your prayers? What motivates your prayers this evening? What motivates you, me, to pray? Is it when something bad happens to you and I? Or someone you know? Or when you need something? Is that what motivates you to pray? And I'm not saying we shouldn't go to God when that's the case. He wants us to come to him at any time. As we've been already praying and already talking about God. Man, we have access to God 24-7 through Jesus Christ. He wants us to come with our needs. But do you ever just reflect on the goodness and mercy of God in saving you? And just reflect on that. And become overwhelmed by the fact, by the reality that God has saved you and that you don't deserve saving. I didn't deserve to be saved. Do you ever just reflect sometimes just in your day to day what you do and just reflect and be blown away and amazed at where you once were and where now God has you? That your life before Christ doesn't look like the life you now live that's in Christ and that he is still bringing us further and further into him, growing us by his grace day by day. This is what happened to Paul in this prayer. So much so, so he's been uh, motivated to pray. He's been driven to prayer uh, through the gospel. So much so that you got to peep Paul's posture. Look at what it says after for this reason. I bow my knees. Paul's posture. I bow my knees before the Father. So Paul is on his knees praying to God. And in studying this passage, I learned from several scholars that kneeling to pray was something very unusual for the Jews. That they didn't pray. Kneeling. Um, That they normally prayed while standing up. And him kneeling shows just a sense of respect sense of honor and reverence that Paul had for God. Now, one thing I want to be clear on is that the Bible doesn't say whether or not God prefers that we kneel or 
stand, sit, or anything along those lines. Um, I think we are free to pray in a posture that we feel led to pray in. Paul just, in this passage, models for us kneeling as a posture in praying. But I believe what's most important here is the posture of our hearts when we're praying. Our hearts should be kneeled before God when we pray. Our hearts should be kneeled before God when we pray. So it doesn't necessarily, it's cool to kneel and it's cool to stand, cool to sit. That's fine. But in when we're standing or sitting or kneeling, may our hearts be postured in such a way. That's reverential. That's revering of a holy, righteous, good, loving, merciful God. That's honoring. That's respectful before him. And as we do that, think about it for a second. This, this also motivates us in our prayers. When we have the right heart posture of who we're going before. We're going against, we're, we're going, uh, we're praying uh, to the God of the universe. <laughs> we should be humble. We should be humble that God even inclined his ear to hear our prayers. That should humble us. That should motivate us. Another example. Um, if we only pray to God when we need or, or, or want something. You're not, you're not praying to God because you are motivated by him. If you're just only going before him because you are seeking after uh, his gifts versus the gift giver, you're motivated by what you think you can get from him. You pray as if God is a genie, but he is not. Granting your every wish and uh, desire and wants. No, that's not, that's not how it works. He's God. He's God. And notice something else that Paul uh, references here as we continue on in this verse. He calls him father. He calls him father. We see him calling him father of our Lord Jesus Christ in chapter one, verse three, and in other places throughout the book so far. Now we know from studying this book so far that the Trinity is heavy in this book, right? We, we saw this from Week one, when we chopped it up in Ephesians, all throughout now, we've been seeing the Trinity just heavy all throughout uh, these chapters so far. And when I say Trinity, I'm meaning God has revealed himself as one being, one essence, three distinct persons, three distinct persons, not three gods, one God, three distinct persons. And so God, the father, God, the son and God, the Holy Spirit. But something that I want you to notice in Paul calling him father is the intimacy with God that Paul had. He knows him as father. This is profound. Think about that. Think about this for a second. Christians here this evening, we get to call the God of the universe, maker of heaven and earth, maker of all things, including every human being alive today and all who ever existed. We get to call him father. You get to call him father. What a great privilege and honor this is, right? That you have been given access to call him father through the Lord Jesus Christ. 
you can come before the Father with the same confidence that Paul mentions in verse 12 of this same chapter. You and God rot like that. We rot like that. You have the same confidence that Paul had, that he can go before the Father and call him Father and experience intimacy with him. This is how we rock as his children. Amen? Amen. And then this should motivate us to pray, to know that he is our father, to know that he is our good, good father who loves us, who only gives us good gifts. And the ultimate gift of salvation should motivate us to pray, knowing that as our father, he hears us. He hears us. And he wants us to pray to him and that he will answer according to his perfect will for our good, for his glory and for our joy. Amen. Amen. And as Brother Brock was was praying um, and as we have all been praying uh, just in the tragic news of Naya, um, he hears our cries. He hears our cries for this sweet girl who lost her life. To senseless shooting. He hears our cries. He hears other believers who are all outraged at deaths like hers and the shootings uh, at the Nats game and the violence that is just all too common in Southeast. He hears our pleas for grace. He hears our pleas for protection over ourselves, over our families, over the city. He hears us. We're reminded from the verses that Brock even read and just being reminded that he hears us. And he will answer in his perfect timing. And it'll be for his glory. So keep trusting, keep hoping, keep believing. As, as Brock read one of the passages, man, there's, there's no prayer that, that goes unheard. He hears them for the believer. So if you know him, you're his son, his daughter, his family. And this is the idea that Paul continues to tease out here in verse 15. So look back with me at the text, verse 15. From whom every family in heaven and on earth is Named. So this verse is referring to Christians uh, presently on the earth right now and those who have already gone home to be with the Lord. So this this family that Paul has been talking about, had he had teed up in chapter one and had made known in chapter three that God has made us all one family, and that's including believers who were alive then and who are alive now, who have gone to be with the Lord. He has made us all one family. When we pray, peep this, when we pray, we join in a concert of prayers of believers who are praying right now and prayers that have already gone before the Father from our brothers and sisters who are no longer with us. We join in a concert of prayers. And you know what's amazing about all of this? Is that God hears them. He hears them all individually from his saints. 
It's not jumbled. He is all-powerful, amazing that he can hear every prayer, every cry of his son, of his daughter. So that's the motivation when we pray. We are going before a God who is all-powerful, almighty, good, loving, who hears us, who hears us. So now let's look at the content by which we pray. So point number two, our content when we pray, verses 16 through 19. So, you know, Paul's prayer is, is drenched in so much gospel truth that if we had to narrow it down to one theme, it would be this. It would be this. Here's the theme. If we had to narrow down this prayer, it would be this. Paul prayed for spiritual strength for the Ephesian believers. That's what we see. Paul prayed for spiritual strength for the Ephesian believers. Now, this isn't physical strength uh, that he's praying for, although sometimes we need physical strength, don't we? Sometimes we're just tired, <laughs> right? <laughs> Amen. <laughs> sometimes we're just tired, and we need strength, and that's fine to pray for, and God will provide it. But here Paul is praying for spiritual strength, meaning in the sense of spiritual growth. So look with me at verse 16. Uh, here's what it says. That according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. Paul prays that according to the riches of his glory, that he would grant them to be strengthened with power through his spirit in their inner being. So first off, God is stacked with riches of his own glory. So he's stacked. He's balling with riches of his own glory. This means he is able to provide whatever you need in your Christian walk. Similar to what Paul says in Philippians 4.19. You probably know this verse. Philippians 4.19, what does it say? And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. So Paul prays that they'll be strengthened with God's power. And this isn't any ordinary power. This isn't man's power. It's God's power. The same power that Paul tells us raised Christ Jesus from the dead in chapter 1, verses 19 through 20. This is the same strength of power he prays that the believers would experience. This is what he prays for the Ephesian believers. That they will experience the same power that raised Christ from the dead. He prays that they would experience it in their inner being, referring to their inner man. So here's how the Africa Bible commentary speaks on what Paul prays for here. It says this. It says he is not thinking of physical strength, but of strength of character and inner strength that comes as the Holy Spirit penetrates into the depth of their hearts, minds and wills. Did you catch that? So he's not praying for the physical strength. He's praying for a strength of character in their inner being, in their inner selves, in the inner man, uh, that the Holy Spirit would penetrate into the depth of their hearts, minds, and wills. So in other words, Paul is praying for a strength of power that goes deep to the soul of the people, to the core of the person, as another commentator puts it. Paul really knows what he, he really knows where the battle is, doesn't he? Paul knows that uh, what the church at Ephesus has already faced and what they will face 
if their inner man is not on point, they'll, yeah, if, if, if it's on point, excuse me, they'll be able to face it well. Because they have a strength from God that can't be moved, that can't be shaken, that can't be taken away. So it's, it's kind of like this. It's kind of like the guy or the, or the gal who has, you know, a dope car, you know, a dope ride or whatever. Um, everything is dope inside or, excuse me, outside. Um, you know, the car is shining and, you know, they might even have like rims or something like that. They still do that today in 2021. I know people still riding on rims and whatnot. <laughs> no, they ain't doing it no more. Uh, but on the inside, mechanically, the stuff that's needed to keep the car running, they neglect to take care of it. So the ride looks good on the outside, but the stuff on the inside, mechanically, that needs to be taken care of, they neglect it. I mean, who cares if a car looks dope, looks nice uh, on the outside? But on the inside, that joint is running ragged, right? It's running ragged. If you don't get a regular oil change, you ain't going to be able to drive it. If you don't upkeep the car mechanically, you, you won't be able to drive it. I, I was looking at this on breakmax.com, and he was just talking about uh, ignoring an oil change for far too long will hurt your engine, right? And when it hurts your engine, you may either need to replace it or if it's too bad, you might have to get a whole new car. Just think about that for a second. Neglecting the things that need to be taken care of on the inside, but attentive to the things on the outside and how much damage that can do if you neglect it. Brothers and sisters, we need strength in our inner man to face the things happening in our lives right now in our city and in our world. Peep this. Some of us are grieving family members and friends right now. Some of us are worried about our health. Some of us are worried about a whole bunch of different things. And I'm not saying it's going to get easier or that your circumstances will change. I'm just saying that based on this passage, God can provide strength for you when you face these challenges in your life. He will provide strength. He'll provide a power of strength that is unshakable. So how do we, how do we, how do we experience that? Well, time in his word, time in prayer, in daily communion with him. Don't neglect time with Jesus in his word and in prayer or with his people on a Sunday gathering like this or during the week. Don't neglect these things. These are ways that I believe the Lord has provided to help aid in the strengthening of your inner man. Don't neglect them. God wants to use these ways of gathering and community relationships that we all have with each other to help aid in the strengthening of the inner man. So look at verse 17. In light of all of this that we've been talking about, what's the goal? What's the goal of all of this? Well, he tells us in verse 17, he says, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. That's the goal. That's the goal of him praying that they would experience strength, a power from God in their inner being. So that Christ may dwell in their hearts through faith. So that Christ may dwell in our hearts. Through faith. Now, this isn't referring to salvation. 
because Paul is writing to believers. So he's writing to the church at Ephesus. These are believers. They're saved and their salvation is secure. As we study in chapter one, verse 13, some weeks ago. What this is meaning is that the believers at Ephesus must keep on believing by faith that Christ may dwell in their hearts. So what it is, is, is that the same is true for us this evening as believers. The same faith that saved us is the same faith that sustains us. This is what Paul is praying for. Continuing in verse 17, you see that word dwell there. Uh, Tony Evans in his Bible commentary says that the word uh, dwell means to make yourself at home. So in other words, Jesus should have permanent residence in our hearts. That's where Jesus lives with a welcome mat and everything. That's where he is. As Christians, Jesus has made himself at home in our hearts, leading, ruling, controlling now, where at one time Satan had full reign, right? Now, Jesus has full reign and is the Lord of our hearts. He is the Lord of our lives. He is our lives. Which then leads to the next part of the verse. Because Jesus is the Lord of our lives, because he is our life, he wants us to be rooted and grounded in love. You see that in verse 17? So we're still talking about the content of our prayers. So being rooted and grounded in love. So the picture here is like a tree with deep roots or a building with a firm foundation, referring to our love having deep roots and being a firm foundation. Uh, I know we got some Marvel fans in here. Uh, I like Marvel as well. Uh, Paul wants all of us to have deep roots like Groot from Guardians of the Galaxy. <laughs> he wants us to all be like, I am Groot, right? He wants us to be, you know, really rooted and grounded in love. And man, I'm, and I'm just encouraged by all of the ways here at CHCC. That, man, the family is, is striving to love one another from checking in on one another for various reasons, praying with one another through difficult situations, sending encouraging messages and scriptures to one another, to hanging out and chopping it up, to helping to meet practical needs. And the list can go on and on and on and on. May we continue to be rooted and grounded in love, family. May we grow more and more in what this means. We're a new church. May we grow more and more in what this all means. We're already doing it. Like Paul tells the church at Thessalonica, he's like, yo, you're already doing it. Do it more and more and more. Continue in it, continue in it, flourish in it. May we take uh, that encouragement and do the same. All right, so we're still looking at the content uh, when we pray. Paul prayed for the believers at Ephesus to be strengthened with power. But he also prays that they would have strength to comprehend with all the saints the bigness of God's love. I don't even know if that's a word, bigness, but the bigness of God's love. Look with me at verses 18 through 19. So it says, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth. And to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. So once again, uh, Paul, he prayed that they would be strengthened with power by God's spirit. Now he's praying that they would be strengthened to comprehend. He prays that they'll be able to understand God's love. 
So we were talking about this in our prayer time before uh, one of our services a few weeks back, uh, that God's love is just big. It's huge. It's unending. Notice that Paul emphasizes that believers would understand God's love in community and not isolation. Did you see that? Where it says, look at the text, it says that they might comprehend with all the saints. Isn't that amazing? That the emphasis there is that us as believers, the church at Ephesus and us here at CACC, that we would experience God's love, that we would be able to understand God's love. Here's, the, here's how we understand it, in community. In community. It's not to say you won't experience it, uh, you know, yeah, by yourself in some ways, but in a more full kind of scope, big picture scope, the way the Lord has ordained it is that, man, we would experience, we would be able to understand, we would be able to know God's love in community. And that this is the way that he displays it. This is the way that he shows um, in a more fuller sense what community is about. Think about God. He's in the community with himself, the Trinity. From the beginning, God has been uh, establishing a community, right? He made it clear to, to Adam in the beginning that he's like, yo, like, it's not good that man is alone, right? Let me, let, me, let me make, let me create someone who can help him. And then all throughout Genesis, through Revelation and what we're seeing now, is that God has been establishing a community of people. So that, guess what? So that, guess what? Don't miss it. So that we can know his love. So that we can comprehend his love in community. So God's love is big enough to save any sinner. It's big enough to, to heal you or me or anyone who is in need of healing. Big enough to set free and deliver any of us if we need deliverance. And even if he doesn't heal or if he doesn't deliver, his love is still big enough, y'all, to help you endure. Amen? To help you endure. To help you persevere. God's love is big enough to still do that. So on our worst days, guess what, y'all? God's love is big for you. On our best days, guess what? God's love is big for you, for me. Amen? Amen. And it's unconditional love. No strings attached. It's unconditional. So Christians here this evening, you don't have to work for God's love. I want you to hear that again. I want you to know that. I want you to take that. Me take that. We got to let that sink in, yo. We don't have to work for God's love. He just loves us. You and I don't deserve God's love. We talked about this in the beginning, and we talk about this all the time. We don't deserve God's love, but he displayed it freely, gave it to us freely through the Son, Jesus Christ, so that we might know his love and be able to spread his love. And look at the point of understanding God's love for us. Paul has been using so that or that you already in this passage to let us know the point of whatever came before. You see what it says? Continuing in that verse, 
of verse 19 at the end of it says what? That you may be filled with all the fullness of God. This is the point. That you may be filled with all the fullness of God. So notice love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you, plural, the church, will be filled with the fullness of God. This is such a beautiful phrase. What Paul is praying for is that believers would be filled with more of the fullness of God, of himself. Here's what it means. Here's what it means. That they would grow in and become all that God desires them to be. More like him. He has a similar phrase uh, like this uh, over in the next chapter, chapter 4, verse 13. Similar phrase uh, to help kind of tease this out. Uh, Chapter 4, verse 13. It says, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the what? Fullness of Christ. We know that Christ in him, um, yeah, dwells the, the Godhead fully, right? Bodily. It's fullness in Christ. Don't you want more of God this evening, family? I do. I want more of God. And guess what? We get to be filled more and more with God now. And as we anticipate the day when our capacities will be full with God, whether we go to be with him before he returns or when he returns, we'll get the fullness, the capacity, our cup running over of God. All right. So we, when we think about the content of our prayers, as we wrap up the content and now transition to the purpose, do you see how God-centered Paul's prayer is? You see how God-centered his prayer is? And what he hopes God will do in the lives of the Ephesian Christians. What a model for us to follow in our prayers. Amen? Uh, let me encourage you, if you aren't already, to be praying for one another daily. We need to be praying for one another daily. Uh, not to toot my own horn along those lines and nothing like that, but I take the church directory and I pray for you all regularly. And I want to encourage you all to do the same, to, to pray for one another. Take If you don't already have the church directory, let me know. I'll get it sent back out to you, but... Uh, take that directory and pray for one to two people daily. Pray this prayer, even, that we're studying right now in Ephesians 3. Pray this prayer and others uh, that we see in Scripture over our church family. Or use this one and others to help guide you in your prayers. Or, lastly, pray the Scripture you're studying or meditating on that day. Over the church family. So if you're if you're in the book of John, whatever you might be studying in the book of John, man, like whatever, whatever the Lord is uh, teaching you and ministering to you, man, use that. Take that. Pray it to him. Pray his word to him over your church body, over your family, over your friends, over the community. 
All right, let's now look at our last point as we come to a close. So point number three, our purpose when we pray. Our purpose when we pray. Verses 20 through 21. Look back with me at verse 20. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. So Paul is, is moved to praise now. He's like, yo, everything that I just prayed for, guess what? Guess what? God is able to do it. <laughs> and even better, he's able to do it more than what I'm asking. He's able to do more than what I'm asking and more that you would even ask and more that you and I would even think. He's able to do it. And so then how do we know this? Well, Paul answers it in the next verse. He, he says, what does he say? He says, uh, according to the power at work within us. And as we were just studying not too long ago here, we saw that that power is the same power that raised Christ Jesus from the dead. So if he can raise Christ Jesus from the dead, surely he can do whatever you ask him, what you think. And he can do it far more abundantly. He can do it. Amen. And he can do whatever he pleases. Because he's God. So. Know that. Don't worry. Don't stress. God got you. He got me. He got us. He can do it. We have the same power of Christ in us. We need not fret. We need not worry. Yo, he can save the ones who are on the block dealing drugs. He can save the ones who are behind the triggers pulling. He can do it. We need to trust him. We need to believe that if he saved us and if he saved anyone else, that he can save them too. He can clean up the brothers and sisters who are strung out on drugs. He can clean them up. He can, first and foremost, we want, we want to see their hearts change. We want to see their hearts change and we want to know why. Why are you going to something that's so temporary? That only gives you a temporary high, a temporary fix. Come to Christ. Come to Christ and be filled forever. Come to Christ and you, you hunger, you thirst. He can feed you. He can give you water. Water. <laughs> that is, is holy. That's perfect. He can give you living water. You don't have to sip on alcohol. He can do it. Amen. And as we see here, as the text ends, here's the purpose, his glory, his glory, and that we may glory in him. You see that in verse 21? What does it say? To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. So we, we, we bow in prayer in light of his glory and we give him all the glory because he's God. And because if he did it, guess what? It was because of him and because he chose to and because he could and he did when he did it. So we praise him for what he has done and what he will do. And we give him all the glory and honor because it's due to him alone. Due to him alone. And guess what, family? This is what you and I were made for. This is what you and I were made for, to glorify God and to praise him for his glory. 
This is what we were made for. All of us, and, 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 and every image bearer in Ward 8 and Ward 7 and all throughout D.C. and all over the world, are image bearers, they are walking billboards of God's glory. We're all walking billboards of God's glory. And he wants us to praise him for his glory and for his goodness. This is what we were made for. So when we pray, we pray that God would be glorified and that he would get the glory in it all. We pray, like the psalmist says, we pray not to us, not to us, but to your name be the glory in all things. This is the purpose of our prayers. We're praying to a God who is glorious, who will be glorified, and guess what, beloved? Will bring us into glory by his grace. This is the God we pray to. A glorious God who's good, who's merciful, who in his love, in his glory, he sent his son, Jesus, who is God, who comes, who lives a life, a sinless life, a perfect life, who is treated like a criminal who goes to the cross willingly and willfully for our sin because he had no sin uh, that he needed to go to the cross for. It was all of our sin that nailed him to the cross. And he went there willingly for you, for me. Dies on the cross, a gruesome death. What a mighty savior. Dies on the cross, goes in a grave for you and I. Lays in a grave and is resurrected on the third day by God's glory, by his power, by his spirit. Raised for our justification, for our salvation, for our newness of life so that we might know him. And guess what? Enjoy him forever. He ascends into glory. He shows himself. He's like, yep, I did it. Like I told you I was. Like I told you I would. I died. I was resurrected. So that you might have life in me and nowhere else. And so that you might have life forever in glory where my father is. This is the good news of the gospel family that we have trusted. That guess what? We've been seeing even in this chapter that we have been entrusted with to go and proclaim. Because this is the only message that's going to save anyone outside these four walls. Or when they come in. The only message that can save message of God's goodness and glory and mercy and grace in the Lord Jesus Christ. So may we, as we think about this message of God's glory and goodness, may we bask in it more and more. May we relish in it, y'all. May we see it 
as beautiful, as glorious, because it is. And may we share it as such, because it's precious. This is a precious message that saved us and that can save others. And so when we go in light of God's grace, in light of his goodness, in light of his glory, and may we be, as Brother Brock was praying, may we be bold with this gospel. Not in our own strength. We've been this, look, we're praying for God's strength. We need God's strength to do it, right? Not in our own strength, not in our own selves. Amen, hallelujah, we have God's strength, God's power. May we go in light of that, amen? Amen. So as the band comes, worship team comes, let me do just that as we seek to glory in God, as this is, What Paul ends with, may we do that now as well. Let's look to the Lord. God, um, thank you for your word. Thank you for uh, the glorious truth of your word. Um, Lord, may your word be our delight this evening. May we delight in it because it's precious, because it's good. I pray, Lord, that we would feast upon your word because it's a glorious meal. It's a good meal. It's the only satisfying meal that we can feast upon. May we not feast upon any of the lies that our culture tells us. May we not feast upon any of the lies that we might even tell ourselves. May we only know and feast upon the truth of your word. And may your truth pierce our hearts more and more. May it pierce others' hearts as we share it with them. And may we trust you that by your word, by the truth of your gospel, that you can Save that you can set the captives free, that you can heal according to your word and by your word. Help us to know that this evening. Help us to glory in that God. Help us to know that, man, we we have you now and we get to glory in you and relish in you now. And this is just a preview of what we're going to experience when it's all said and done. Whether we go home tomorrow or whether you come back tomorrow, we get to glory in you. So God, I pray that you would help us to do that and to glorify you in all that we do, in all that we say. May we go into this uh, new week encourage God. May we go into it as as a reminder of, man, what we do on our jobs tomorrow, what we do in our lives tomorrow, may it be um, lived in light of your glory.
and may it be a pursuit of your glory and your goodness. And may it, yeah, may it um, be attractive to, to the world that's looking on, to family members who's looking on, who may not know you. And may they be like, man, I want what you have. I want to know the God that you serve. I want to know the God that you says uh, can satisfy me, can satisfy the soul. And when they do, may we give it to them, Lord. May we lovingly communicate the truth of your word. In Jesus' name, amen.